0: Welcome to Recalculating Adventist Life Now, I'm Skip Bell, your host. The focus today is the decision to remain in a faith community. When questions may lead you to do otherwise, my guest is Kendall Chaffee. Kendall is a business owner in southwestern Florida. He grew up in the church, largely in New England where his father was a respected Seventh-day Adventist pastor, Kendall began to examine questions that came to him regarding religion, regarding church, in his young adult years. Those questions led to some differentiation. I think Kendall might even share that it was separation from the church. Years later, still reflecting on those questions and thinking about his own meaning and purpose, he decided to identify again with the church, with Christ, the congregation uh, that was in his locale at that time. And now he is an active leader in the church, serves as a local uh, elder or whatever at the particular year he might be asked to do as a worship leader. I've asked Kendall, to share that difficult faith journey. Welcome, Kendall.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Skip. I really appreciate it. This is a great opportunity and a great subject.
0: I'm really thankful you're willing to just transparently uh, share with us. And first, um, perhaps the best place to start, share your childhood and early adolescent memories as your life began to take shape of home, church, religion, and education?
1: Well, as you mentioned, I um, grew up in a um, a Seventh-day Adventist family. My father was a preacher. I was the stereotypical preacher's kid, and um, I went through the whole uh, Christian education system through the seventh day Adventist Church, with the exception of kindergarten, I think I went to public school for kindergarten and uh, then the rest of my uh, schooling was done in the seventh day Adventist school system mm-hmm. um, so that's that's pretty basic for most uh, most kids my age and i went um, uh, I went to to uh, uh, school in the my graduating class was 1978, so from high school. So um, it was the 60s and 70s that I spent most of my time in school.
0: So Kendall, you you grew up in a uh, conservative Christian home. You had parents who uh, you you experienced family worship with. You had a congregation. Uh, most of our listeners, not all, uh, are uh, aware of the Seventh-day Adventist faith. So we it's Sabbath school, uh, and you experienced all that. How would you describe what happened as the years begin to accumulate into your uh, adolescence? Um, questions or dissatisfaction with religion that came in those adolescent and young adult years. How would you describe that?
1: Well, the challenges that I was faced with as a youth, uh, because I was a preacher's kid, I was viewed as, um, I was viewed, uh, I was sort of um, uh, pigeonholed as being, as a, as a preacher's kid, the, the, my, my peers, my uh, friends, and so forth, were very sort of um, suspicious of me because if they did something maybe outside the the given lines that were that were established by the church, that I would be the one that would would uh, go and tell on them, if you will. and then from the from the older people, they looked at me as the preacher's kid, and I should do no wrong because I am the preacher's kid. And that was told to me on numerous occasions. So I felt like I was in a position that I couldn't, I could not conform to either one successfully. I couldn't keep the rules well enough, which nobody can. And then with my friends, um, there were always suspicious and... um, was uh, a lot of I was excluded from a lot of things because I was a preacher's kid, and the the idea was that I would just go and tattle on them. And uh, so it was a that was a very challenging period, and I think that's challenging for all preachers' kids.
0: Now you're describing um, memory of of a sense of pressure. Uh, there were there were standards. There were rules uh you're you're kind of describing the pressure of being a christian a conservative christian uh, in that context especially of being the preacher's kid as becoming a bit more than you wanted to handle and you you're kind of recalling how do i sort that through how do i live with that
1: no that's correct that's correct and then the uh, as I had mentioned, I'd gone through the SDA school system and, um, I was, I was further troubled by the fact that I have an older brother who's, um, just a little over two years older than me, who is, uh, an academic, a, 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 a brilliant mind, mm-hmm. um, very high IQ as could, uh, has an identic memory and could speed read and, um, uh, so, I was following that, mm. and um, I was nowhere near. I had uh, learning disabilities, I had a problem reading um, i I realized later in life that I learned differently than mm-hmm. the average person, and as a result, the school system that I was in was not was ill equipped to to provide for me any sort of uh, optional learning system other than the reading, writing, and arithmetic, and uh, mm-hmm. so um, that's kind of that's kind of where I was, which which further isolated me from that community.
0: And the interesting thing is, Kendall, I've attended uh, the church where you provide service and ministry, not only in the community. Um, which is probably what you consider your first field of witness, but also in the congregation, articulate and worship leader and thoughtful. But uh, that's the journey that you've gone through. So what what can you recall about that process of deciding? It must have been very difficult. A time came when you decided you would no longer associate yourself with the uh, ongoing services of the church? How far did that go in terms of identifying as a Seventh-day Adventist Christian? I, I can imagine that was a very difficult time. I know there's some privacy about that, but what can you share with us?
1: Well, uh, essentially, uh, I, I am I am quite open to that, particularly with the, the, the youth that I mentor. Um, I find that that it's important to be authentic and transparent. And uh, because, as as I was growing up, one of the things that really bothered me is being from viewing Seventh Day Adventism from the 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 vantage point of a preacher's kid, you see different things than the average person would see that is not working within the organization. And as a result. I could see what I considered conflicts in in what people were saying, and then what they were actually doing. And because at the time, the the grace message when I was a, when I was a youth, the grace message was just starting to to come about, and it was more rules and regulations, and the the rules and regulations and the standards that you were to live by as a Seventh-day Adventist, as I could see them, as I experienced them, were really sort of um, uh, beyond what I could handle, be- beyond what I could do. And so I had this idea and this, this emotion that no matter what I do, I'm never going to be good enough. And uh, so what's the point in all of this... Uh, all of this rule keeping—if I can't—if I can't ever keep up, what's the point?
0: And uh, Kendall, uh, <clears throat> at about what
1: uh, stage
0: was it? Your mid twenties, mid thirties, when you made that decision?
1: Well, here's an interesting thing. I um, um I. I struggled, as I had mentioned, in school. I never graduated high school. I quit at my junior year. Hmm. My senior year, instead of going to high school, I got married. I was married at 18 years old. Mm -hmm. 19, I had my first child. My daughter, who um, has just been the biggest blessing to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So instead of gaining an education in the school system, I went to work in the world. And the, the contrast was so vast between uh, what the world had to offer and what my educational system that i had gone through the educational system that my parents provided for me in the home did not prepare me for the world at all Mm. Um, we were pretty much during that time practicing isolationism where we didn't want to be have anything to do with the world and by and large i lived in uh, Seventh-day Adventist communities that were that were largely Seventh-day Adventists. Yes. Everything we did was revolving around Seventh-day Adventism.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, now I can recall in my growing up experience that very little of my life. I mean, my parents, my father was not an Adventist Christian until I was a junior in college. All of my friends were not Adventists. I went every other year to an Adventist school, but when people came over to our house for cards or socializing, they were not Adventist. And so I, I, I kind of have a difficult time relating to people who have, whose life has not had in their forming years uh, the exposures to the broader context of community. And you're saying, that when that time came for you, it was kind of like a shock. So I'm I'm sensing that that transition from being in the isolated, protected Adventist community to uh, launching a business. Now today you're a very successful business person, but that's gone through some years of building. But uh, that, that came as a shock. How far, did, how far did the process of disengaging go? I mean, did you stop attending church or identifying with the Seventh-day Adventist Church?
1: Yeah, I stopped, uh, I stopped going to church for about 10 years and um, uh, wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. Bear in mind, in the location that I lived, um, I fondly call it a... a a Seventh-day Adventist ghetto, and it was a, a location that had a small town that was predominantly SDA, and had a college, a grade school, a high school, two uh, churches, a, a union office, and a um, uh, and a a local conference office. Mm-hmm. Uh, all in the same area. My house, where my father lived, where I lived, uh, uh, was at the the back gate of the 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 camp meeting grounds. Oh yes. And so everything was everything was Adventist for Adventist and immersed in the Adventist culture. And um, so it was it was not too terribly hard because of the. F- of the, the conservative, the conservative, judgmental attitude of of most of the parishioners, most of the townspeople, in the area, uh, it was uh, dropping out of that whole scene for me was a respite, because mm-hmm. I was very I was very it was very stressful for me uh, mm-hmm. going through going through that.
0: Um, What happened to your spirituality, uh, Kendall, in terms of in in those years, I I think you said there were were about 10 years, uh, how far did your loss of personal faith or spirituality go? Prayer life, personal worship. I mean, was Christianity kind of retreating into the background of who you were during that time?
1: Well, I, I jokingly say this in, in, in response to that type of question. Uh, when I was growing up, my father pastored three churches, so I would go to church three times on a Saturday. And uh, I did that for years. So I tell people fondly that um, I got so much church as a kid, I could drop out for ten years and still be covered. Yes, uh, <laughs> But but the reality is the reality is that I wanted absolutely nothing to do with Seventh Day Adventism. Uh, I was uh, I was angry with the church. Uh, I went into the world and um, I uh, I was a I was a foreman on the paving crew paving the road to hell, and uh-huh. that's that's kind of that's kind of where I went drinking drugs, uh, all of that. All of that stuff, the whole culture, I played in a rock band, I did all kinds of all kinds of things of that nature, and um, uh, I just experienced the world, and what I learned from that experience is that the world is a harsh place, there's no doubt about that, but there are good people in there, and my upbringing had sort of indicated to me that you can't rub shoulders with the world, and I, I, I take issue with that, I think. I think that's not christ based i think christ's Christ's method is what we should be considering, and that mm-hmm. is that you're in the world but not of the world. It's two completely different things from isolating yourself from the world mm-hmm. uh we're not We're not monks on a hill that don't don't go out into the community. what we should be doing is being in the world and um, so I think. I think my stray from Adventism really later on in life has, has uh, proved to improve my ability to be able to relate to people and understand that, that you know, we're just all bent and broken, man. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're in trouble, and we need help.
0: Now, what I hear you describing, Kendall, is then that your disassociation from the church— was part of uh, an identity in which some brokenness. Uh, sometimes, persons who who have never gone through that journey would say, "Oh, that person is rebellious or uh, really a troublemaker." <laughs> there's this. There's a sense again reverting to that old judgmental stance of mm-hmm. being a conservative lifelong a uh, person in a faith such as the faith you and I share in our Seventh-day Adventist community attachment you know, we could be judgmental and say this person is totally out in the world and and that was your experience you you were away from uh, church attendance and your personal faith and spirituality you were kind of uh, those in the church would have said, "Oh, Kendall, he's really out there." But my next, my next thought is, you you married at a young age. Did you, did you marry a Seventh Day Adventist Christian at that young age?
1: Yes, I did. Um, I met her at a youth rally that we had uh, we had gone to, and um, um, I ended up. We ended up moving from. From Maine down to Massachusetts, and uh-huh. um, that last year, uh, my junior year, I finished out the last half of the year at, um, at Pioneer Valley Academy, which is a boarding school, mm-hmm. which was a, 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 quite an eye-opener for yes. me. I had gone to day schools up to that point, but the boarding school experience was, was something.
0: Yeah, and uh, we we could do a separate discussion on that because I can remember <laughs> going to boarding school, and realizing, hey, most of my friends are no different than those friends I play ball with in the neighborhood and everything. But, Pretty much. Uh, anyway, now, so it's it's an interesting insight to me that you married a, a Seventh Advent a young Seventh Adventist Christian woman. I have I have met and observed the ministry of your daughter and your son-in-law. By the way, just briefly, do you have other children than your one daughter whom I have met? And
1: yes, I have a a, a younger daughter. Uh, she's ten years younger than my oldest. Okay. Um, and um, uh, she's married, has uh, one child, has given me our our mm-hmm. uh, granddaughter. Yeah. And it, just turned two just this last week. Oh, uh, praise the Lord. uh, And she lives four houses down from me, so I see her constantly. (laughs) It's just great.
0: Well, uh, spending some winter months in your great community, I've observed your family and had a bit of time for social engagement. If from conversations in a foyer to even going fishing with your son-in-law one day and some grandkids and they're a great uh, family so I'm I'm in my mind I'm saying how how did your wife especially because she was a young adult at that time how did how did she relate to this journey you were going through, which, you know, that might be helpful to some spouses today whose spouses go through a similar journey. How did she relate to that?
1: Well, um, her family and her upbringing, which is one of the reasons that, that drew me to her, her, her upbringing was completely different. Her parents were both converts I think um, converted when uh, my wife was very young, maybe two years old or something. They converted from Catholicism to uh, Seventh-day Adventism, and mm-hmm. so they had a different world v- view. Their family was was by and large non-Adventist, and they still would associate with them and do all of those things. My my father-in-law, who is passed away some years now, uh, was a wonderful man, hardworking Portuguese guy that just was a tremendous amount of respect for him. Uh, and, um, so their, their faith was much more relaxed. My faith was, uh, I felt it was like a, um, it was like a millstone around my neck and, Uh. Uh, it was constantly pulling me under, and I felt suffocated, and 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 though I couldn't breathe. So when I go to this Adventist family, and they're comfortable and non-judgmental and loving and kind, and all of these things that you know the rules are there, but it's 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 relationship that's important. The rules just. Tell us how much we need to have a relationship with God. Uh, they're not there to condemn; they are there to direct us to the great gift of grace. And this is what I felt in this family. Uh, so it immediately drew me to them, and um, uh, I was very comfortable around them. Now so, I go ahead. So to answer to answer your question, uh, my wife and I together pretty much separated from the church. So it wasn't like wow. I, I left and she stayed. We both left. Our whole family left. And uh, however, she went back when my second daughter was born. She started going back to church because she is a very social child. And uh, the Sabbath schools were fun. They were very exciting, very creative, lots of... Um, uh, colors and things to do and songs and and um, she is the reason why I returned to church. And uh-huh. uh, one day, one day I was changing her after I had given her a bath. I had her on the changing table and I was getting her ready for bed, and um, she could barely talk, but she was sitting up and she started clapping her hands, saying "Happy, happy home," uh. and and I, um, I remember saying, I don't want to miss this with my child. Ah. This is something that I want to experience with her. Ah. And so I started. I started going back just to Sabbath school. I went go to church. I'd go to Sabbath school, and I went to a different church than I had before, mm-hmm. <clears> than <throat> the church my father had pastored. And um, uh, it was a much more relaxed environment still extremely conservative by, by conservative standards, but less so than what I had been accustomed to to that point mm-hmm. and um, that's where I started my journey back to to the church was, was yeah. through my daughter
0: so this um, relationship of father and daughter uh, a parental relationship seeing the forming of the life of the next generation that stirred something within you and and kind of moved you toward a decision to identify uh, again with the church that's a powerful story do you remember your wife's emotions during that time uh, she started going back because she wanted the children to be a part of it and you started reestablishing yourself do you how was she relating to you during that time of reattachment for those months and that part of your journey?
1: Well, consistent with her upbringing, she was always extremely kind and generous with, with me and what I believed. And she knew that this had to come from my heart, couldn't come from hers. And so she was very, very patient with me and very kind and loving and non-judgmental she knew why i didn't go to church but she also knew that returning to church had to be my decision couldn't Mm -hmm. be hers couldn't be anybody's it had to be Mm -hmm. mine so she was very good with that and uh, that helped immensely i didn't feel any pressure of her on her at all Mm -hmm. Uh, she would tell me how fun it was and how great a time my daughter had uh, at the at the meetings at the at the sabbath school and um, that i might want to consider doing that at some time if I was Ah. ready, and uh, uh, eventually I was, and and that, that started my journey back.
0: Do you remember how that congregation, as you started your journey back, is there anything about how they related to you that, as you mentor in your church now, is transferable and helpful? Um.
1: Yes, I. There are some significant memories that I have, um, uh, both good and bad, and and I'll start off with saying that when somebody approaches you after you've been gone for after you've been gone from church for a long time, and they, with all good intentions, say, "Oh, I haven't seen you for forever, and I'm glad you're back."
0: Oh, mm-hmm.
1: That's not that's not comforting. That's, that's a stressful thing to hear, because you know you've been gone, you know you've been struggling, you're coming back not for that person, you're coming back to connect with Christ. And so that kind of that kind of statement when you haven't seen somebody for a while, rather than saying, "I've missed you. How can I?" How can I help you in any way that you need? How can I journey with you? What can I do? In order to in order to make those statements, you have to first have a relationship with somebody. And too often, I think that relationship is is really discounted or missed, or it's too much trouble. Um, that 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 is very difficult. Now, I on the other end of the spectrum, I had. Um, um, my father had been, had gotten in, in some difficulty. And um, the church ended up disfellowshipping him. And that was very difficult for me. It's a very tight community, very small community. Everybody knew about it. My wife was a hairdresser in the next town over, which was another small town. And um, um, there was a there was a situation where a, a new conference worker came in and sat down in the chair next to her and was getting her hair cut by another hairdresser and was talking about the rumor that she heard about my father, oh, not knowing that my wife was his daughter-in-law. Oh, man. And so she she had no idea. She had no connection with the community. She was brand new in the community. And it was just so painful and hurtful that she would make these comments about this and um, the of course the the hairdresser that she was using was not a uh, not an Adventist and Mm -hmm. after she finished cutting her hair and she paid she asked the woman never to return because that was his daughter-in-law that was standing next to her and so that was a that was a very difficult thing for the community given that it given that I knew everybody I mean I knew everybody in that community they all knew me I would dare say that more people knew me than I knew them because of who my father was and so when he he had his fall from grace in the church um it it was a reverberation throughout our family mm-hmm. throughout the community and um Uh, On one occasion, a a friend of mine, whose father had also had a similar experience, came up to me when I started coming back to church and he said, you know, I know how it feels to have a prominent parent fall out of grace in this community, and I just want you to know that I understand, Mm -hmm. and I'm so glad to see you here.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Those
1: are the encouraging things that we can say to people, and that Mm -hmm. encouraged me greatly. I've got a tremendous amount of respect for him today for that kindness that he showed me.
0: I think what I hear as a takeaway is relationality is the center of what spiritual life means and is, and words convey that relationality and where you saw in the church people caring and relating and sorting through language in a way that expressed that that was helpful but how easy it is to just destroy people with our words oh my yeah that's so important that's helpful for us now kendall let's turn this clock forward you uh You serve in a local church, you share faith in a terrific uh, worship team through your music, Uh, you provide ministry leadership. Uh, Talk to us now about your notions of what a congregation is. Perhaps, you know, we we understand and we kind of sense that our listeners know what we mean when we say a very conservative, maybe even oriented to standards, identifying what the church is. Is the congregation perfect? Is the congregation flawed? Or e- even is is that an important question? Is a judgment of where people are at even helpful in being a congregation. Talk, talk to us a bit about how your journey has equipped you to view your fellow travelers now celebrating Christ uh, daily and weekly in the church.
1: Well, um, as, as we all know, the big question the big question that really needs to be asked of every parishioner, and every parishioner should be asking themselves this question, and I think all too often they're not, and that is, do people know I'm a Christian by my love? Do they understand that? Do they feel that I care for them? Or is religion simply a list of rules that we have to follow? Um, I would say that the, the congregations today... Uh, where Where I serve currently it 's a very diverse group of people individuals uh, we are are challenged because we are faced with the biggest shift in communication since the invention of the printing press some five hundred years ago it 's changed even more in two thousand and twenty with the with the um, appearance of covid covid nineteen and how that has affected us. Now we have to change again and Church culture does not like to change. And what I've learned is that pretty much your idea of what I would loosely call a traditional church service is really the church service you were raised with as a child. And so everybody's tradition is different. I think for all too often we have really sort of at least I have, and, and I've had some really tremendous pastors that have helped me on my journey and helped me understand um, worship much better, which is part of the reason why I serve at the capacity I do. But these, um, uh, these, these issues, these things are uh, the epiphany that one of the epiphanies that I've had that was really outstanding for me had to do with the fact that what is the reason you are going to church? And too many times you hear people come out of church, well, I didn't get anything from that service, or I didn't get anything from the music, or I didn't get anything from this, which is the wrong attitude. Our attitude should be, what can I bring to give? Church, in my opinion, should be a place where we come to give to our Lord and Savior as a community. Not to take, but to give. We have been been given the greatest gift mankind can ever imagine, and that is the gift of grace. And we as a church community need to understand that our job in service is to give to our Savior. Mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a challenging thing when you have been raised your entire life that you have to follow the, all of the rules. you got to follow all of this. Now, I'm not saying that you have to throw the rule book out. I'm just saying that your emphasis needs to be on grace, not on the rules, because we all say the same thing. We've all sinned. That's biblical. Uh, none of us are perfect. That's also biblical, and none of us can follow the rules, Nobody has been able to, with the exception of one, throughout the entire history of this world. So we know we can't follow the rules. We know that we are going to stumble and fall, yet we oftentimes hold ourselves up as though I'm glad I'm not as bad as this person over here or mm-hmm. that person over there. Mm-hmm. And when we need to understand that my sins may not be the same as theirs, but their sins nonetheless, and I am a lost being without the salvation granted to me by the gift of grace. And that is worth giving your affection to Christ when you worship during the service. And that, I think, is lost on a lot of people.
0: Yes. Now, Kendall, in just the couple minutes we have left, uh, I think you've given us good counsel as a church. Uh, are there any thoughts? If you, if you were... Um, having a conversation with a 24-year-old who said, I'm just tired of the church and the cultural. It's just such a burden. I'm not seeing Christ. I can imagine, first of all, you would listen to their story and you'd ask some questions that provide them the opportunity to share their heart but it may it might model to the rest of us if you had a conversation with such a person where would you like to see that conversation lead
1: well ultimately ultimately the the takeaway needs needs to be this and i and i and i tell I tell the young people that are in the band uh, get an opportunity to talk to them one on one. Oftentimes they have questions, concerns, complaints, whatever, whatever you might have about the church, about the congregation, about certain individuals, whatever it is. And and so oftentimes you're fielding those questions and you're you're trying to give them a sense of ownership of the of the church and so forth, which they need. And uh, that can sometimes be a difficult journey, but. What I would, what I would indicate to these people is that there are really two things at play in a, in a person's life, and that is religion and spirituality. And though we would like to think that religion and spirituality are one and the same, they're really not, and that's unfortunate. And we have made it that way. We have we have. Oftentimes focused on religion, which is what the Pharisees focused on, and Christ came to say, "Look, there's there's a different way here. I am the way, oh. I am the truth, I am the light, and not the rules and regulations." And that oftentimes uh, kids don't understand. In fact, I tell them there'll be no Seventh Day Adventist in heaven because. The only people that will be in heaven are those saved by the grace of Christ. That's the important thing. That's the standard to hang on to. I believe in the Seventh-day Adventist religion because I think it's the closest to the biblical model. I tell the, the, the kids that I talk to all the time as it relates to Sabbath and Sunday, does that work? Do, you know, what's the big deal about it? It's a day, you're still worshiping Christ, and I say you should worship Christ every day of the week. Mm-hmm. However, I follow Christ's model, and Christ's model was that he went to the synagogue to preach and to teach on Sabbath. So I think that's probably, if you follow Christ's model, I don't think you'll go wrong there. Yes. I think you'll probably do okay. And so I try to get them to think along that line, to keep your spirituality in, 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 in high regard and protect it with everything that you have. Don't think so much about religion. Though religion is important, don't get me wrong, but don't think so much about religion. Think more about your relationship with Christ. The religion aspects will follow, but first you have to have a relationship with Christ. Otherwise, it's just going through the paces, just going through the motions for really nothing.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, That is a great focus for us to bring the conversation to a conclusion. Uh, Kendall, uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Kendall, for joining us today.
1: You're welcome. My pleasure. This has been awesome.
0: (laughs) And uh, listener, thank you for joining the conversation. This is Skip Bell. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep thinking and keep believing.